This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a weekly show where we learn what it means to rise above the human condition. We hope the conversation today is just what you need for the week ahead. Welcome back to the Transcend Human Podcast. It is January 10th, 2022. Happy Monday morning to all of you and welcome back. Great to have you with us. So this is going to be awesome. This is an awesome week for me because we're starting a brand new series, but let's just quickly talk about um, last week and the fact that we basically did a high-level overview of Transcend Human similar to the way that like a television show produces a teaser or a trailer right before launching into a brand new season. Uh, It solves two things, really. First, it gets the real fans caught up quickly, right? So those who are watching on a regular basis, they're quickly caught back up to speed. And then second, it also provides a simple on-ramp for people who may be jumping in for the first time. And that's really what we tried to do last week. Um, First of all, for the people who have been here since the beginning, if that's you, all I can say is, wow, thank you for being with us this long. Um, And then to those of you jumping in this year, brand new, welcome to season three. So I want to welcome you to the podcast. It's been great doing one episode with you so far. If this is you um, and you did not listen to the episode last week, I would encourage you to go back and do that first just to get a quick zero to 60, you know, kind of thing on what Transcend Human is and what we're all about. And then some of you actually may be jumping in simply because of this series that we're starting today. So again, welcome to those of you. Uh, I hope you enjoy the series. But if this is your first time joining us, it might be good to go back and listen to the Controversy Theory series first. Uh, Controversy Theory was a series we did back in season one. And it's really foundational to what we're going to do on the show this year, uh, especially with conscience-driven therapy. So all that said, whoever you are, whatever bucket you fall into, um, do whatever you feel is right. And let's go. So it's a brand new year. Welcome to 2022. It's a brand new season. Welcome to season three. And it's a brand new series. Today, we are jumping into the series called Conscience Driven Therapy. So like I said at the top of the show, I can't tell you how excited I am for this. Um, This is not some series that I felt like I had to do or a series that people convinced me to do. I have a feeling that this has been foundational to who I am all along. So both Controversy Theory and now Conscience Driven Therapy Both are ideas that I just felt called to. Not to get too woo-woo about it, but have you ever had that feeling? Have you ever felt so strongly about something that you just knew you were put on earth to do it? It's kind of like that for me, right? This is my thing. And if I don't do it, (laughs) I feel like I'm going to be asked someday by my creator, why didn't you do it, right? I picture myself walking into heaven and God saying, Hey, what did you do with those things that I gave you, with those talents, the skills, the ideas? And the last thing I want to say is, oh, that, sorry, I just didn't have time. Or, yeah, there were just too many other things going on. 
so that really leads us to today. Uh, me finally doing what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing, letting this content see the light of day. So let's start with some background information on, on conscience-driven therapy just to kick things off well. So we'll call this the minute of transparency, even though it really isn't me being transparent about myself. Um, we'll use this minute of transparency this week to talk about conscience-driven therapy. So as we've talked about on the show before, it all started back in 2001. I wrote Controversy Theory. So I had recently graduated with my MSW, and I was a little disillusioned in the field of mental health, spirituality versus psychology, um, which is the most important, is one good, is one bad. And really, my brain was trying to figure out, is there any way that the two can play nicely together? So these questions led to the development of Controversy Theory a manuscript that was never published, but helped me sort a lot of things out in my own head. So if you're interested in this content, head on over to transcendhuman.com forward slash controversy theory, and you'll find all of those episodes and you can dive into that if you want to. Then, as we've talked a little bit about before, in 2012, um, there's this dream I had. And in the middle of this dream, i basically experienced an entire three book series loosely about the end of time, but you know, just a, a much bigger plot than that actually. And I felt like it was almost downloaded into my subconscious mind. And yet it was so real. I was literally able to take what I saw and develop an entire plot line over the next few months. I spent time researching the idea, fleshing it out in my spare time. I did research on what it means to write and how to be a better writer. But through all of that, I was only able to get the first few chapters down on paper. So that's something we'll talk a little bit more about later. Then in 2020, um, I launched Transcend Human. So I thought it was new, right? I thought it was something that had popped into my head in November-ish of 2019. I thought it was just me coming up with a new idea, right? That there's always a better decision to be made, the transcendent decision, right? That it's more important to be proactive than reactive, which requires us to think ahead, plan our attack um, in order to rise above the human condition. Of course, as I started recording episodes of the podcast, I quickly recognized concepts creeping in from controversy theory, right? And then I realized that everything I was saying uh, had had its roots in controversy theory or had somehow come out of an idea that I had fleshed out in controversy theory. So that's why we ended up walking through controversy theory as a series on the podcast pretty early in the first season. And then each episode in that series basically covered one of the chapters in that original manuscript. Fast forward to today, or I guess early la late last year, Transcendent Parenting was a series that Tammy and I did. Um, it was just kind of a felt thing, right? Like, I think she came to me at one point and said, hey, you should really do a parenting series on the podcast. So we sat down, we came up with the content. It went from four or five episodes to 11 episodes pretty quickly. Now, the content is on parenting, but much of it takes root in the basics of controversy theory and transcend human. And I think what we'll find as we walk through conscience-driven therapy is that much of the content we discussed in transcendent parenting will sound familiar, or at least it should line up with some of the concepts that we flesh out over the next few weeks. Now, today, conscience-driven therapy. 
So this is the next logical step, right? So book two, if you will, after walking through book one, which was controversy theory. Controversy theory was the high-level explanation about the human condition, what it is, where it came from, and how it impacts all of us. Then, conscience-driven therapy is meant to be the next step in that process. So what do we do about the controversy now that we know it exists? How do we operationalize the theory? How do we live our lives with this new worldview? How do we live? How do we make good decisions? How do we interact with others? How do we parent? All of that and more. So conscience-driven therapy is more than just an explanation about the controversy, right? It impacts, it discusses the impact that it has on us, and then it explains what we can do to rise above the human condition. It helps us to find true joy and contentment versus simple worldly happiness. And it provides us with a purpose and a meaning, right? Two things that are definitely missing in our lives today. And without purpose and meaning, we tend to just flounder, right? We just flop around. We're reactionary. We begin to experience many of the mental health issues that are running rampant these days, especially with the um, the pandemic and, and all of the extra baggage that that put on us on in the in the world today. So that's where conscience-driven therapy fits into the grand scheme of things. And for the next 10 weeks, we're going to take it one step at a time. So a chapter a week until we've basically presented the entire concept. So if you're ready, conscience-driven therapy starts now. So at the highest level, let's walk through the table of contents. So conscience-driven therapy learning to transcend the human condition. And it's important to understand that conscience-driven therapy, at least in the book itself that I've kind of fleshed out, it is broken down into two parts. Part one, things we cannot control. Part two, things we can control. And I'll just read through the chapter titles just to give you kind of a, almost like a trailer, if you will, for what's coming. And then we won't do this every single week because that'll just waste too much time. But here we go. Chapter one, a lot of things came before us. Chapter two, we were sent in a specific direction. Chapter three, there were landmines along the way. Then we move into part two, the things we can control. Chapter four, the first step toward health and healing. Chapter five, hold on to the good, release the bad. Chapter six, understand our level of control. Chapter seven, understanding the enemy and his weapons. Chapter eight, knowing is half the battle. Chapter nine, transcend human. And chapter 10, becoming a conscience-driven therapy ambassador. So that's it. That's the outline. That's the, the table of contents. So let's dive into chapter one, which is a lot of things came before us. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the controversy, we're going to talk about the sin virus, and we're going to talk about our DNA. Number one, the controversy. So two very important things that we probably need to get on paper right here at the beginning. Um, controversy theory and conscience-driven therapy are based on the Christian worldview. Now, some of you may be asking, well, why did you have to go and do that? Why did you have to pick a religion and in essence, alienate a bunch of people who don't believe the way you believe. And you're right. That is an issue for sure. But one that I cannot really shy away from. Look at it this way. 
if I was a Jewish person, I would probably be basing my content on the understanding of the Torah. If I was Muslim, there would probably be a strong Quran influence and so on and so forth. I mean, I could just leave everything vague and just call it spirituality, but that to me includes the concept of God, Satan, the controversy, a concept that may not even exist in other religions. So in order to write this content, I had to base it on my spiritual understanding of the world, my religious worldview. And because of this, the Conscience Driven Therapy series won't be as generalized as other Transcend Human episodes. It just assumes that you understand the foundation that it is built on. Number two, Conscience Driven Therapy is based completely on the foundation of controversy theory. So it makes sense that we must understand controversy theory in order to use the tools that Conscience Driven Therapy talks about or provides. And we have to believe that they are true. So we can't just hear them and file them away as if it's just some interesting idea. We have to literally get to the place where we believe them so strongly that they remain top of mind or front of mind, right? Acting as a filter through which we view the whole world. Only then will conscience-driven therapy make sense and actually be useful. So let's try to flesh out a few concepts from controversy theory as quickly as possible so we don't spend too much time there. But at the same time, we have to understand that it's foundational to the rest of the book. So let's start with this. It's one of the first statements I wrote when I was trying to describe the overarching controversy, and it goes something like this. The controversy is the battle that exists between God and Satan for the allegiance of every human being on earth, past, present, and future. One more time. The controversy is the battle that exists between God and Satan for the allegiance of every human being on earth, past, present, and future. Now, if we take that statement apart and we realize that there are some really big concepts we have to wrestle with before we can even get started on this journey through conscience-driven therapy, starting first and foremost with the whole concept of God, right? I mean, this is a big issue just in the world today in general. Like, what are your beliefs on the concept of a God existing? Um, and from the Christian worldview, obviously, God as a timeless being, right? One that has always existed and always will exist. Many people wrestle with this, right? Trying to wrap their minds around something that isn't even possible here on earth. On earth, everything has a beginning and an end, right? So the concept of God requires a belief in something that is literally outside of our understanding, something that can't be proven by science or proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. And that's really where this little thing called faith comes in, right? Uh, Dictionary.com defines faith as belief that is not based on proof. So a created being, right, one that loves to create new things, this is the God that we believe in, God's fascination with the creative process. And it's not just artistic, it's relational. God wants to have a relationship with the things that he creates. And then God is a loving being, um, as we see in the way that he interacts with us. So the fact that he gives us the one thing required in a loving relationship, which is the freedom of choice. Because we know that love without choice isn't really love. We understand this in the marriage relationship, right? If your partner is with you because they love you, 
then they're choosing to be with you and all is well. But if your partner is staying with you out of fear or the belief that they don't have any other option, all is not well. In fact, it's a difficult situation, right? It isn't love at all that's keeping you there. Next up is the concept of Satan or the being originally called Lucifer. So Lucifer was a created being that had everything in the world going for him, everything in the universe going for him when he was in heaven. But at some point, he decided that that wasn't enough, right? He wanted to be more than just an angel. He wanted to be like God himself. He, so he, he basically used his freedom of choice to rebel against God. And in doing so, Lucifer became patient zero, right? The first created being infected with a sin virus. And he quickly spread the virus to other angels, turning them against God as well. Eventually, this led to war in heaven. God and his loyal angels had to fight against Lucifer and his new followers. And when the dust settled, God had won. And there was no place left for Lucifer in heaven. God removed him and his followers and banished them to this little planet in the middle of the vast universe, a planet called Earth. This is what we refer to as the fall, or at least part one of the fall. Next is the whole concept of the battle, right? So we talked about God, we talked about Satan, and now we're going to talk about this battle concept, right? So high level, we refer to this as the controversy. But when it comes to the day in and day out fighting between the two, it's really a battle that has raged since Lucifer was removed from heaven and one that will continue until he is removed once and for all. Now, people often ask, well, why is it still going on? I mean, if God won and kicked Satan out of heaven, why isn't it just all over? On some level, yes, there was resolution to the problem of the sin virus being in heaven. But Lucifer, now called Satan, wasn't done away with for good. He still exists and is not happy with the way things turned out. So he moved to plan B, right? If you can't beat God, then just get back at him by hurting the people he loves or the things that he loves. And it just so happens that this little planet that he was banished to was also the planet where we existed, right? Human beings created to be special because we were created in the image or the likeness of God. So Satan set out to destroy these creatures, these humans, these image bearers of God that God seemed to love so much. Satan came to this little planet and he tricked us into believing that God wasn't being honest with us that he didn't really want us to be free. And when we decided to listen to Satan, the sin virus was then passed on to us. Now the entire earth is infected, right? No longer the perfect world created by God for his special beings. This is what I would refer to as the fall part two. Fall part one was Satan being removed from heaven. The fall part two is us giving into Satan and falling from the perfect world we were given. Now, the final thing is this whole concept of allegiance, right? Or actually, this isn't the final one, but we'll talk about the final one in a minute. So we have this whole concept of allegiance. So this battle that we referred to above is something specific, and it's over something specific. It isn't just an ongoing feud, right? Like the ones that exist in the Middle East. God isn't worried that Satan will break back into heaven. It's not a battle over land or territory. The battle is really over us, 
right? It's over the created beings that God loves and that Satan wants to destroy. So back when the earth was perfect, God placed a voting booth on earth, right? In this, in this garden, it was called the Garden of Eden, this place where Adam and Eve lived. There was this tree that had a very important fruit on it. And God asked that we, the humans, not eat of that fruit from that one tree. Everything else on earth is fine, but just stay away from that one tree. Of course, humans were fascinated with the one tree, right? Because it's the one thing that we couldn't have. And Satan used that to his advantage, which eventually led to the sin virus destroying our perfect world. Now, there is no tree, right? It no longer exists. And it really doesn't need to since it already served its purpose. It provided the first humans with their freedom of choice, proof that God is a God of love. So now the battle isn't to get us to eat some random fruit. The battle is over our vote or our allegiance, right? It's a battle that exists in the mind of every human being. God and Satan both present their case and it's up to us to decide. Do I want to be on team God? Or do I want to be on Team Satan? It's as simple as that, really. But as complex as that at the same time. So in this battle, each person has a game plan. God's game plan is called a rescue mission. So he sent his son Jesus to earth to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, and then be raised from the dead. This death would become the cure or the antidote to the sin virus. All we have to do as humans is just accept the gift, accept the antidote. It's kind of like getting vaccinated for COVID, right? It's choosing something that fixes a problem. Now, that's probably a bad illustration because the vaccination is somewhat helpful with the COVID, with the COVID pandemic. Um, but the antidote to the sin virus is 100% effective, right? But we have to choose that. We have to choose Team God. Next is Satan's game plan, which is nothing more than straight-up revenge. So because Satan lost out on eternal life, he doesn't want us to have it either. So if he can figure out a way to keep us from accepting the antidote to the sin virus, then he believes he's won. And the more of us he can take with him, the better. Finally, we have this concept of past present, and future. So simply put, the controversy, this battle that exists, is global and total. The sin virus isn't a localized outbreak, right? It's a pandemic. It's everywhere. It affects everything and everyone. There isn't a single person on the face of the earth who hasn't been infected. From the very first person on earth to the final generation, the sin virus has been there and will be there. This all-inclusive nature of the battle is important because it means that we're all in this together. Nobody gets out of it, nobody's excluded, and nobody has a free pass to opt out, right? This is what we refer to as the human condition. And this is the reason for conscience-driven therapy in the first place, right? It's basically a field guide to navigate the human condition. We can look at it this way. The controversy equals the human condition equals our response or our freedom of choice. So we were created, we fell for Satan's lies, we live in a fallen world, 
and we all get to choose how we want it to end. We never lost, lost our freedom of choice. Number two, the sin virus. So back to the title of this episode, a lot of things came before us. We just talked about the controversy, and in doing so, we mentioned the sin virus, but we need to spend a few more minutes there because the sin virus has a massive impact on the human condition, how the world functions, and how we experience the world. When we walked through controversy theory together, we went in great detail on what the human condition is. For a deeper dive on that, you can go back and listen to CT01, which is basically the first episode of the Controversy Theory series. But to summarize that episode, the human condition is defined as the totality of the human experience as seen in these three areas. First, the life journey from birth to death. Second, our medical condition. And third, our mental health. Starting with the life journey. So from birth to death, every major milestone, right? Things like childhood, education, graduations, relationships, marriage, divorce, childhood, children, retirement, uh, you know, you name it. And then everyday life experiences, right? Everything, everything in between a, a meaningless event all the way up to one of those major milestones. So this could be things as simple as a positive interaction with a stranger to something as traumatic as being involved in a car accident where somebody lives and somebody dies. But that all makes up the life journey from birth to death. Then second was our medical condition, right? So it includes any medical issue that we may or may not have during our lifetime. If there are medical issues, what impact do they have on us, right? Our, on our ability to function and remain emotionally stable. And then finally, our mental health. So the way that we think, feel, and behave in response to the life experiences we go through and the medical conditions that we face. So the human condition is really our state of existence. It's life as we know it. When people use the phrase, it is what it is, they're referring to the fact that some things happen regardless if you want them to or not. And though we do have some level of control over our response to the human condition, the condition itself is largely made up of things that happen to us, right? And these things will either be positive or negative. So for example, on the life journey, there are positives like marriage, having kids, getting your dream job, things like that. But then there are negatives, losing a loved one, getting into a car accident, being fired from a job. When it comes to medical conditions, there's the positives of, you know, living a big chunk of your life in good health, being physically fit, avoiding serious diseases, things like that. And then there's the negative, experiencing lower back pain at a young age, having to deal with diabetes most of your life, or being told you have an untreatable form of cancer, things like that. And then when it comes to mental health, there are positives like being raised by loving parents, being taught good decision-making skills. And then there are negatives like falling for the lie that you are overweight and falling into a lifelong struggle with anorexia. So yes, there is a positive and a negative side to the human condition. My wife said it like this the other day, how can life be so beautiful and then not be? And that kind of plays into this whole concept of there's positives to the human condition, and there are negatives. But when we focus on the negative side of the human condition, you can see that there are three major ways that these negatives play out in our life. So number one is human nature. 
So human nature is the underlying angst that afflicts the human race, right? So to summarize, it's always easier to do the wrong thing than the right thing, right? Or being good is usually harder than being bad. Most of us would agree that kindness, tolerance, and love are not typically part of our human nature, whereas selfishness, self-preservation, greed, and intolerance are much more part of our human nature. For example, we humans are prone to be selfish, right? It isn't something we have to learn. We see this illustrated in the lives of our children all the time, who came out of the womb expecting the world to revolve around them. This is human nature at work. Next is what I would call human suffering. So given what we just talked about in our human nature, the idea that selfishness, self-preservation, greed, and intolerance are more likely to occur than their positive counterparts, we would logically conclude that human suffering is more likely to occur than human happiness, right? Because things like war, racism, violence, abuse, pollution, littering, defacing the earth, drug addiction, gambling, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Ultimately, these are things that are produced out of our human nature and things that lead to human suffering. But human suffering isn't just something that's caused by human nature. The sin virus also had a major impact on our physical earth, right? Which leads to environments that can be hostile and ultimately cause human suffering. Think about the extremes in temperature on our planet, from sub-zero temperatures at the poles to excessive heat in desert regions. And if you believe in global warming, then you understand that these extremes are actually getting more extreme every year. And then there are these extreme or severe weather events, right? Things like hurricanes, tornadoes, fires, earthquakes. We see diseases wipe out foliage and species of animals, and the list goes on and on. All examples of things that can cause human suffering. All things that we have little to no control over. Now, human suffering, regardless which form it takes, is here to stay. It simply exists as a byproduct of the sin virus. And finally, we have human disturbance. So we talked about human nature, human suffering, and now human disturbance. Humans, human disturbance grows out of our human nature. So those little things that we were born with and we need to work through during childhood and adolescence. It starts with our tendency to be selfish, and that's just one piece of it. While growing up, we experience all sorts of things, both good and bad. We learn, and then we start making decisions about things. And this is where our freedom of choice really comes in. As humans, we are made up of three very important pieces. Our thinking, our behaving, and our feeling. So our thinking, or our thoughts, our behaving, which is our actions or our behaviors, and then our feelings or our emotions that we experience. And it's very important to understand that our freedom of choice can only really be exercised in two of these three areas. So we have direct control over two of those three. And the, the two that we have control over are our thinking and our behaving. But we only have indirect control over our feelings or over our emotions. So emotions just happen to us, right? They're things that we don't even see coming sometimes. So we are said to have indirect control over them because by making good decisions in our thinking and our behaving, we are able to indirectly control our emotions or the, maybe it's better to say the 
effect our emotions have on us or the power of our emotions. So much more on this as we work our way through conscience-driven therapy. But you should be able to see at this point how human disturbance works. When the sin virus has a negative impact on our thinking, behaving, and feeling, we experience human disturbance. And most often in the form of mental health problems, things like anger, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, addictions, all of those sorts of things. Number three, our DNA. So again, back to the title of this episode, a lot of things came before us. Uh, First, we talked about the controversy. Then we talked about the sin virus and the human condition. Both came before us and yet have a massive impact on us as people living on planet Earth today. And the final thing that came before us is our DNA. To get all sciency and medical for a minute, our DNA, our DNA is not unique to us, right? It is made up of genes and gene sequences that are passed down through our family tree. We get these genes from our biological mom and dad, but they got theirs from their mom and dad. And so it goes all the way back up the chain. For those of you who don't believe me, uh, I linked to two articles from the fun world of dummies.com. So um, these two articles, one is the structure of DNA, and the second is the genetics for dummies cheat sheet. Uh, I don't want to spend much time here, but genetics is one of those crazy areas of study where science has enabled us to see many, many things. Not only the roles that genes play in families, right, passing genetic traits down over future generations, but also the ability to find ancestors through genetic testing, right? These days, we can literally sign up for services like 23andMe or Ancestry.com and not only see where we came from, but find long-lost relatives at the same time. It's crazy. It's amazing how far we've come in the study of genetics. But let's get back to the real point of this segment, right? As with the controversy, the sin virus and the human condition, our DNA came before us. It is what it is. And on some level, it makes us who we are, or at least it impacts who we are, right? So here's a little more information from an article on verywellhealth.com. The big term for this handing down of genetic material from those before us is called genetic predisposition, or the fact that it's likely that some things our ancestors experienced will be passed down to us. And there is a statistically significant chance that because it runs in your family, it will run in you and may run in your kids, making it more likely that you might suffer from the same condition. So what are these conditions? Well, most of them are medical, right? Things like diabetes, heart disease, obesity, arthritis, things like that. However, it also includes addiction. And as we're finding, mental health issues like depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, things like that may also be genetic, though there is a lot of debate about the role that genetics play in mental health diagnoses. But before we leave this discussion, I just want to make a correlation between the science we just talked about and the spiritual certainty that the Bible talks about. Now, this is a hotly debated topic among Bible scholars, and so I don't begin to have all the facts or the knowledge to say that I'm definitively leaning one way or the other. Um, But there are a number of verses in the Bible that talk about the sins of the fathers being visited on the sons to the third and fourth generation. In Exodus 34, um, 
a, a segment of the Bible that's known as the generational curse. It says, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression by sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And then again in Deuteronomy 5, kind of a similar explanation. It says, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Now, the debate is typically over whether or not it's true, right? If God actually punishes future generations for the things their parents did. Some believe yes, others believe no. But I look at it this way. What if it isn't about God actually punishing people? What if it simply refers to the fact that we pass things down to future generations and that over time, sinful behavior can create a pattern, one that winds up impacting our offspring in ways that we don't even see or we don't even understand that we're involved in? So let me illustrate. What if addiction is something that my great-great-great-grandfather struggled with? His son saw this behavior and fell into a similar pattern. Then, eventually, this personality trait became so embedded in the genetic makeup that future generations became more susceptible to addiction than the average person. Again, not making any dogmatic claims here, but when you allow the Bible and science to work together, you start to see some things in a different light. So let's land the plane. Chapter 1 of Conscience Driven Therapy explains that before we even start to look at ourselves, we must understand the truth that a lot of things came before us. So this is a requirement, a prerequisite. We can't just read through chapter one as if it's a prologue. It has to be viewed as step one. These things need to become part of our worldview. They need to inform how we look at the world, how we look at our lives, and why we make the decisions that we do. Without this understanding, we're going to struggle to make sense of the world around us and continue to just muddle our way through the human condition. So this week, ask yourself the following questions. Where are you with the controversy? God, Satan, the fall, fall one, fall two. I mean, are these things that you have ever thought about before? Are there specific things you believe about them? Or are you still on the fence about all of it? Number two, what are your thoughts about this whole idea of the sin virus? Can you see how this pandemic is what fuels the human condition? And do you resonate with the different parts of the human condition? Human nature, human suffering, human disturbance. And finally, have you ever thought about your DNA and how it impacts you? This whole idea that your genetic makeup can actually determine some of the struggles that you'll face in your lifetime. This is a great start. I mean, thank you so much for joining us this week. It's always fun to kick off a new series and to, to just dive right in and then look down the road and see all of the good content that's heading our way. So I hope you're all in. I hope you had a fun time this week. I hope you'll be willing to join us each week for the next uh, installments, the next chapters. And hopefully when we reach the end of Conscience Driven Therapy, we'll all have a new tool belt, right? Tool belts that can be used to deal with the human condition. Next up, next week, uh, is an episode called We Were Sent in a Specific Direction. We look at our families of origin, 
how they not only influenced our past, but potentially our futures as well. So have a great week. As always, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. If you're interested in the show notes for this episode, head on over to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the episode you're looking for. On the website, you'll also find blog posts, podcast series, and other helpful resources to help you navigate the Transcend Human ecosystem. You'll also find links to our social media channels, and as always, if you have questions, feel free to contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here on Monday morning.